In this episode of the Locked On NBA Big Board Podcast, Richard Stamen, a.k.a. Mavs Draft, is going to break down some of the players that he is higher on than the consensus. Stay tuned. Big, big shout out to each and every person that has made the Locked On NBA Big Board Podcast your first listen of the day. And this episode is brought to you by LinkedIn. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. So post your job for free at linkedin.com slash Locked On NBA. I'm your host, Rafael Barlow, the director of scouting for NBA Big Board and the founder of NBA Draft Junkies and my co-host for the day. It's Mr. Mavs Draft. It's been a minute. How's everything been going your way? And, and Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you, too. It's uh, Things have been good. I've been watching a lot of uh, NBA and college basketball, so excited to uh, talk about the two Mavs Draft guys and then some other guys, too. All right. So if there's a guy that you are higher on than the consensus, if there's one guy that he's like your guy, who's that? I feel like this is like, there's two of them, but who do you think it is? I have no idea. Cause I know two for sure. I don't know which one you would have. <laughs> I'll say one a and one B. Yeah. I'll, I'll do with the one who I could see potentially going first round. I'll start with him, which is Mike miles at TCU. I mean, just Wednesday night, he had a phenomenal game, 33 points on 12, 21 shooting. He's becoming unstoppable getting to the rim. And when you're six, one and doing it the way he does, which is speed finesse, just, craftiness in and around defenders going to the line scoring at all three levels i think it translates up yeah i had an agent tell me that even though he thought he wasn't concerned about miles efficiency inefficiency last year he said that he is a guy that once he's in a role where he has better players around him he's going to be just fine and he was really high on him and uh other than you <laughs> he was the only other person that i felt like was honestly saying i think he could be a first round pick in your opinion what is the biggest difference between him this year and last year when he struggled with inefficiency yeah I think it's easily the fact that last year he was taking he was forcing I would even say runners because that was something he worked on at the FIBA U19 in 2021 when he was teammates like Chad Holmgren Patrick Baldwin all those guys he was doing a lot of runners when he got a chance to go to the rim and now he's turned those shots into, which by the way, last year, I think he only shot at 35% on or something. And it was a good chunk. Like I did the math. If you took out those runners, he goes from a sub 40% field goal percentage to 42, 43 range. Like it was a big difference. Now, instead of runners, he's actually going to the rim, getting more layups, more high efficient shots, and also getting to the line at way higher level than he did last year. Yeah. His free throws are up three points per game. His field goal percentage is up like 14 points per game, but the three point percentage is still, it, it's still hovering around the low thirties. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think that's something that it, it'll come around. Like the form is good. I buy the free throw percentage coming up. That's also weirdly low. Like there are some red flags with that. Like his freshman year, he shot 36% from three, 83% from the line. That is incredible efficiency that like, that translates up. But last year, 29 and a half from three, 76% from the line, both numbers down. Really, the 76 is fine, but this year it's alarming. 30% from three, 67 and a half percent from the line. 
I don't know if it's mental. I think he's got a good shot. I don't know why it's falling, though. Yeah, I'm going to switch gears for a second here. You said something, and I've been thinking about it for like the past few days, actually after yesterday's game. That USA team last year, the under-19 team, barely beat France. Is that the indicator of how good Wimbayama is? Because that USA team had Mike Miles, Chet Holmgren, Patrick Baldwin Jr., you know he didn't do nothing, uh, Johnny Davis, um, <laughs> Peyton Watson. Yeah. Kenny Lofton. Kennedy I, I know Chandler. I'm Kenny Chandler. I know I'm missing Ivy. some guys. Ivy. And and we needed Kenny Lofton to <laughs> to save to save the country. Do you think that's a, an indicator of how good Wimbayama is? Because I mean, you had what two of the top what six guys in the 2022 draft on that team last year? Yeah, and the only other guy who I've seen be considered a prospect on France's team is Matthew, and I'm going to botch his last name, but I think Strasel. it's Strasel. Strasel. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, he's the only other one. So, like, I think it, I think it says a lot about how good Wembenyama is. I mean, even in the final, he had 22 points on 6 of 14, shooting 8 rebounds, like, 8 blocks. Like, it was effortless. Yeah, and, and he got in foul trouble. So, yeah, that's – that. yeah, I mean, I was just thinking about that. Like, man, that team was loaded. There's – there's going to be at least seven or eight guys that have NBA careers from that under 19 team. And anyway, so for, for Mike miles, do you have a comparison for him? I I'm not too happy with my comparison, but I'm going to, I'm going to do it anyways. I see a couple, there's two guys who I see him as a blend of really three. I've, I've thrown some names around. I've thrown around for a lot of people. So I've heard mixed bag, but I'm going to say him. Jalen Brunson's always been the one where he just, the way he's a floor general, um, not super big, not re really long, but just smart and efficient, I think is a lot of him. Some Fred Van Vliet to him, also the whole like low percentages uh, kind of sh shades Fred Van Vliet. And then this one's a little bit different, but a little bit more athletic uh, version of uh, Jameer Nelson. I think there's, there's an athleticism gap between the two, but in terms of play style, I think they are kind of similar. Yeah, that makes sense. Even if he falls in, in the middle, he had that's a long career and that's definitely worthy of a first round pick. Now I haven't seen him as a first round pick on any mocks and I don't even know if I've even seen him in like the thirties. I haven't seen him in any top sixties. And one of the things I, I appreciate about you is that you kind of go against the, the consensus. I like have this new beef this year. I just feel like everybody's just following everybody. I, I had mentioned it and I mean, it would suck for, for the player to be part of this um, guinea pig. But I wondered if I just took this average player and paid off all these top publications and made him a top 10 player in the country, and then he was just average as a freshman, how many people would put him on their big boards and their mocks because they've seen <laughs> respectable publications put him oh. on there? Dude, it happened in 2020. I mean, I know there was um, an agent who was reaching out to a lot of draft Twitter to say, hey, plug my guy, plug my guy. You don't have to put him like in the second, first round, but like put him on your undrafted area. And a lot of people I saw, I was like, I, I would see <laughs> all these people. I'm like, where did this come from? And then I heard the the secret and I was, I was like, okay. And the players never played in the NBA. That stuff works. Like, I, I think if you did it, it would happen. And I, I that's funny to me. 
but like it, it is true like the way the nba is a copycat league the draft is kind of a copycat like what's the word for it but like it's a copycat organization not an organization but like you know group think yeah group think is real very real especially when you get down to like april and march after college has stopped oh you, oh, yeah. you can convince anybody anything at that in that point I've had somebody offer me $300 to put a guy on the board in the first rounder. <laughs> it's, uh, I'm like, man, 300, that's, that, that's a good start. I needed that $300 too. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't do it. Cause it would have just been too wild. <laughs> it would have, it would have been very, very obvious. Like, like people say, I think outside the box, but this guy is his style of play was something that's like totally against like, the consistency of guys that I like. So I just figured people would figure it out. So I had, I had to turn it down, but yeah, I mean, that's, that's something that I really think is, is going on a lot. And like I said, that's why I, I, I respect your mind because you've had Mike miles since his freshman year, this is going on three seasons that you've been saying this, nobody said it. So it takes it takes a lot to go against the grain sometimes because I think a lot of people are afraid to be wrong, especially in, in, in this era. You don't want like to have a strong opinion on a player. Then if it doesn't pan out, it, it stays on there forever. I know for me, I mean, it was it was even before I was really doing draft stuff. I tweeted that the Spurs made a mistake by trading for Kawhi Leonard on draft night and and I mentioned that he can't and all this stuff. And I'm not the type to delete tweets, but for like five years straight, every time he had a good game, my phone would just go off retweets, 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 because I thought the George Hill trade was a mistake because I thought Kawhi was a center, not a three, or I thought he was just an undersized four or five. And yeah, I had to delete that. I mean, I had to pluck out because it, it was five years straight. That every time he had a good game, somebody would retweet it, and it would just keep going <laughs> on and on and on and on and on and on and on. So um, you know, that's that's funny because uh, not to completely get sidetracked, two things I'll, I'll bring it back to topic. But Kawhi was somebody who that year, this is like one of the first years I ever did a mock in a board. I was like, Kawhi needs to go like top four. I would take him with the second Cleveland pick. I was enamored with him. So it's funny that we were opposite, but. Um, not to take a victory lap, more of what I was actually going towards was, you know, with Mike Miles kind of getting back to to that, like I saw Desmond Bain for three years at TCU also. And like in 2019, my pin profile tweet is a tweet from 2019 and nobody thought he was draftable. I was like, this kid, like he just lit up the NBA shooting performance, put him on your boards and all that. And like, not again, not to take these victory laps, but sometimes the consensus is wrong. And honestly with draft, a lot of times the consensus is wrong. So like, it's okay to say actually no, because most guys don't pan out. Hey, I'm all about taking victory laps. Sometimes you, you, you have to, uh, I had said yesterday, my grandfather told me something years ago. He says, a man that doesn't toot his own horn, his horn goes untooted. <laughs> so, um, I'm wrong. yeah. So I don't, I don't mind victory laps. All right. Before we get into Isaiah Wong, I guess it's not much of a teaser. I like to talk to all you small business owners about LinkedIn jobs, because as a small business owner or hiring manager, you know that your success in 2023 is dependent on the team members that you surround yourself with. So you have to check out LinkedIn jobs. With LinkedIn jobs, you can hire qualified candidates more efficiently by matching open roles with people who have the skills, values, and experiences to help you achieve your goals. 
LinkedIn Jobs. It helps you attract qualified candidates to your open jobs with targeting tools. They go beyond just the resume. They have data using insights from your job posts, your company, and their 875 million member profiles that you can put in your post in front of the most qualified candidates. All you have to do is identify the most qualified candidates on LinkedIn Jobs, and you can connect with them faster and for free. And LinkedIn Jobs makes it easy to screen and rate applicants based on your job qualifications all in one platform. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to and faster. So post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on NBA. That is linkedin.com slash locked on NBA terms and conditions apply. All right. Once again, you are listening to the Locked On NBA Big Board Podcast. This is your host, Rafael Barlow, with my co-host, Miles Draft, Mr. Richard Stamen. It's almost like a victory lap episode for Richard. He's talked about Kawhi. <laughs> he talked about Desmond Bain. And now he's looking right about Mike Miles. Isaiah Wong is someone that you've also been high on for the past two years. And not to like... Uh, I don't know. Brown knows. I guess that's Hit the me. Whole... <laughs> <Hit me. laughs> is he, he's a guy that, and I'll be honest, I'm not as high on him as, as you. And I can't figure out why, because he has all the qualities that I like. I like bucket getters. I like guys that are just super confident that get downhill and guys that can create their own offense. I, I, I don't know why. I mean, there's, it's like, there's nothing about his game that really, really concerns me so much. But for some reason, I just haven't put him in my in my top thirty or forty yet. So, sell me on why? Why? Well, I, I think I think I know why you don't like him that much. Uh, that makes me sound like I'm coming at you, but it's all <laughs> I feel like it, it's probably because I mean the jump shot's slow. Like, will it translate? It's a massive question mark. It's a real question mark. Uh, I I imagine that's the core of it, at least. Like the stats check out, especially right now. Everything checks out for him. I mean, on the year, he's averaging or he's averaging 17 points a game, career best 4.4 assists, 1.7 steals, all of these career highs, rebounds 4.6 is just about but like 46% from the field at the moment, 35 from three, 83% from the line. So for me, I got to, for those who don't know, I got to see Isaiah Wong. I went down to Miami. I'm actually going down there next month again to see him uh, actually in a game. But last year I saw him one-on-one, uh, -on -one, got to see him practice, work out, all that stuff at, at the U. And he was working on his jump shot. I know he's worked a ton on that. I think the results speak for how hard he worked on it. But for me, I love him just because he's the size is kind of awkward for a combo guard, but he's athletic. He gets to the rim. He gets to his spots really easily, shoots off the dribble very well. I think he's the best space creator in the country three years straight now. Um, there's an argument to be made. There's been like one or two one and dones that have overtaken him, like Trey Mann, uh, although he was a two and done. But you know, outside of those kind of guys, Isaiah Wong is the best space creator. I think he plays good defense. He understands the game really well. I like his game. And I think, you know, I, I think Mike Miles, I want to be clear on this. His ceiling is much higher. I do think he has the Jalen Brunson trajectory. Isaiah Wong's probably closer to like a microwave kind of guy. Maybe a Lou Will is maybe his path and that. It's, it's a very basic comparison, but uh, more just the role off the bench scoring microwave, do a little bit of everything offensively. And I think that has a lot of value still in this league. Yeah, even when I look at my notes, I'm like, dang, everything I said about him, you would think I have him as a lottery pick. And I'm just going to read my notes. Quick and shifty, good burst, changes directions and good pace, aggressive downhill slasher, a shot maker, tough shot taker, professional scorer, 
creative off the dribble, fast and open floor, excels as a transition finisher, good rebounder for his size. He turns long rebounds into personal fast breaks. He's tough. He's competitive. He can make plays above the rim. He ranked in the top 93 percentile in isolation scoring. He can score out of pick and rolls. He ranked in the top 89 percentile in pull-up jumpers. Excellent mid-range pull-up game. Good finisher around the rim. Has soft touch finishes and floaters. All that's... <laughs> so then my concerns were shot selection. I thought he was turnover prone. Thought he had a, a weird, you know, his, his size, undersized. Um, his three-point field goal percentage was decreasing. He only shot 30% for three as a junior. I had that it was somewhat of a concern that he is more of a scorer than a shooter, and usually that is something that kind of hurts people around draft time. And I thought that he really struggled shooting off the catch. But like I said, there are guys that I have similar notes for, and I'm higher on them. <laughs> so I don't know if it's just his size, maybe if he were bigger. I, I don't know. Like, honestly, how tall do you think he is? Like, I'm do you think he's for this question? Okay, so do you think he's smaller than the listed height? I think he's six two or six three. I I don't think he's any taller than that. Well, that's not that's not too bad. I mean, you know, you look at even though totally different builds. Like, there's some people that are really stunned that Donovan Mitchell was six foot one. <laughs> there's people that think he's like six four, six five, but he's he's six one. Um, yeah, um, yeah. I mean, I he just has so many things that I like. Maybe I just need to watch his film again, and maybe I'm just disagreeing because you know we need to have some some disagreements on the show <laughs> you know maybe we could do our skip and shannon where we just create fake takes and we just argue argue about it where do you see him being drafted just realistically um if he's getting drafted it, you know it's always hard as an undersized combo guard four-year player right i think if he gets drafted it's in the 45 to 60 range or i guess 58 59 however many picks there are this year that range is probably the most realistic. Now, that being said, I don't think draft night is, is the, the finish line, right? I, I think he would, if he gets drafted, like his path to success is a little bit easier. And I think he outperforms that, that draft slot very easily. So it sounds like he's, he's used the COVID year as a free year. I know ESPN has him listed as a junior. Yeah. I don't, I don't know how that works. I know he has another year, but yeah, you got a free COVID year. year. Yeah. If you're Isaiah Wong, do you come back to school? <laughs> Depends on that NIL package. I mean, I don't know if you saw what Nigel Pack got, but yeah, hers like four hundred thousand or something like that. Yep. Which yeah, I, I've I think been hearing guys are getting even more than that. Like I've I've heard. Oh, yeah, that's a small deal. Yeah, I mean, Bronny's gonna get millions. Yeah, but I've even heard like I, I had a scout tell me, and he told me this before the season. I don't know if it was an episode with you that I mentioned it on, but he says this is before they play the game. North Carolina is not going to be good, and Seth Trimble is going to have to play because those other guys got paid too much money. They're not hungry, and they're going from basically people not checking for them despite the fact that they're North Carolina to now this season everybody's going to be hunting them, and they got money. And it's crazy he told me that before Mavs game. And it sounds like he is right. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, I mean, I think that, you know, the 400,000 and I want to, I mean, I don't know how accurate it is because you never really hear about, 
how much guys are getting. I mean, I remember the number that was thrown out and then the, you know, the whole rumors and all that. But some of the numbers I've been hearing for guys that aren't as good as Nigel Pack are are, are definitely higher than that. And I think it's going to be very interesting for, for Isaiah Wong. There's another guy, I'm not going to mention his name, but I heard a very from a very valid source that it's a player also that is he understands that his NIL deal is going to be more than what he's going to make as, as a rookie or even as a two-way player is double. And he may even come back for like a fifth year. All right. When we return, I'm going to find out who else Richard is high on. I know the first two, but I don't know who, who else is on his list. But I want to tell you about BetOnline because BetOnline is your number one source for your sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. You can get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there, from pro football to college bowl season, basketball, baseball, you name it. It is all at BetOnline.net. And if you love sports podcasts outside of the Locked On team, you can find those at BetOnline as well. It is the fastest and the easiest way to get your betting info so head to the website today use your mobile device to learn more bet online it is where the game starts all right last segment i knew the first two names who is the third player that you are higher on than the group think consensus yeah this is somebody who i have seen in the first round so i might actually be closer in the line but i've been on them for so long um that i feel like i mean i would i would take this person close like just outside of the lottery personally and that is colby jones of xavier he's somebody who it's funny the path that i followed him on oh i saw a lot of people and it's kind of the same as the second person i'm gonna list but i saw i heard his name as a freshman i'm like this guy's not that good like people are way tripping and then i watched him last year and i was like oh my god this guy's really good his runner's great like the numbers will come along and surely they have like the shooting touch has always been there um, despite free throw percentage last year. And this year it's been really good. He up, he had an uptick in scoring 14 points a game. His assists have skyrocketed. Like his passing's gotten even better. He's a, is he's a consistent threat for 25 and five every night as a combo wing, I would say kind of plays shooting guard, kind of plays small forward can play a little bit of point, but right now he's in the running for 50, 40, 80, which in college I feel like is pretty elusive. I mean, that's what Desmond Bain had. That was a metric that I kind of looked for. And I like him. He has good size, super long arms too. Like I, I just think everything checks out for him as a wing. Yeah, I agree. So my, my biggest concern for him was I felt like he was not a really confident three-point shooter off the catch. I felt like he would pass up open shots. And I mean, he would like pass up an open look penetrate and then find the you know he, he'd make plays but I thought he was just a little too hesitant and I felt like in the NBA he's gonna have to be able to knock down that shot and be more confident shooter um and then I had some concerns about just the overall like burst and quickness but what are your concerns about Kobe Jones yeah for me I I think it's just consistency and kind of like you said the burst is mediocre I would call it, I think just being consistent, proving that what he's done for the first month and a half, two months, I mean, it's almost half the season. Can he do it for another half of the season? And I think that's really the question mark is how is he going to do when teams game plan for him? But he just kind of cooked Andre Jackson, um, who I would call one of the best, uh, one of the best wing defenders in the, in the big East. So 
I don't know. Uh, I think I, I think there's a lot of proof that he can be consistent. I like Andre Jackson. Like if this yeah, were if this were about me. I, I he'd probably be on my list of guys that I'm that I'm higher on higher on than most. Yeah, but Jones is like you said, forty five percent from three. So he's got he's he's really improved on that. Um, I mean, what is that like 16, 15 or sixteen points that he's improved his three point shooting percentage? The volume is it's it's still it's like three a game. I mean, like he went from like two, two, three. So he's I mean up to about one a game. Not crazy volume considering that there's some guys that, that are shooting like 10 threes a game. Uh what's the guy's name from UAB who's like leading the nation in scoring? Oh, Joey. 10 threes yeah. a game. And he's, and he's knocking them down at at a at a consistent clip. But yeah, I, I like Kobe Jones. I mean, I, I have started to see him get some some first round buzz. Um, who else is on your list of guys that you feel like you're a little bit higher on than the consensus? You gotta know this one's coming. Trace Jackson Davis is somebody who kind of liked Colby Jones after his freshman year. And I think that was the pandemic uh, year that cut his team short. Um, I was, I had seen a lot of people on draft Twitter be like, Oh, this guy's probably the next sleeper. And I was like, okay, this is like, you know, maybe some big brain going on here where people are digging too deep. I watched him. I was like, this dude can't even shoot like, no. And then I, I dove into him at, as at the end of his sophomore year, I was like, let me just check. I think I was like bored during the off season, trying to see if I could find some sleepers. And then I was like, Oh my goodness, this guy, this guy can play. And then last year kind of watched him as a whole during the season was really impressed. And this year I've been just as impressed. He, he somehow continues to get more and more efficient despite teams knowing exactly what he's going to do and where he's going to go. For me, what stands out with him is just like, we, we both live in Dallas. We've seen Dwight Powell thrive. Like he's an advanced stats darling. He's one of the best pick and roll guys in the league. Great next to Luca. I look at Trace Jackson Davis. He's more athletic. I would say he's better in the pick and roll um, in terms of just finishing. Not necessarily. I don't know if he has the same like ability to cut angles and whatnot that Dwight Powell does, but he can learn that he's a way better defender. He can guard almost any position and he can pass. Like you can trust him with the ball in his yeah. hands. He can do simple crossovers. I just feel like the shot. Yeah. It's a, it's a fatal flaw to like upside, but to floor, I don't see how it really changes anything. Like he's still a pick and roll savant on both ends really. And when you're a big at granted, he's six ten, but he has seven, three wingspan freakish athleticism. I think he overcomes it. Yeah, he's somebody that, you know, very similar. I was looking at stats when he was a freshman, like, dang, this dude is productive. Then you look at him as a sophomore, like 19 points a game, you're like, he's productive. And he is someone that is going to outplay some guy that was probably highly touted out of high school that is going to get drafted in the first round because of, upside and length and athleticism but just not skilled and then you're going to see a guy like Jackson Davis that is uh that is going to have a, a long career in my opinion I like him I, you know the Dwight Powell comparison is pretty pretty crazy um, I felt like coming in as a rookie when he played for Boston it's crazy I mean that was so long ago it seems I thought Dwight was more vertically e explosive but Jackson Davis, you know, it's weird. Like when you first glance, he doesn't look like your your high flyer athlete, right? He's athletic, 
but he's always ranked amongst the leaders in dunks. And that's a stat that a weird stat that I look at is dunks, right? There's some guys that are really athletic and they don't get any dunks, right? And then you look at uh, him and then you look at uh, Kalk Renner <laughs> that he's not really athletic either, but he gets a lot of dunks. I think Jackson Davis was, where was he at? I, I know I don't have the stats in front of me. He's but, top five. Uh, yeah, he, he's always up there in dunks. And then the thing that you said about him and, and as a role man is, I mean, he's an excellent finisher. I haven't seen the numbers this year. Last year he was 82% as, as the role man. He's somebody that's probably going to fall to the second round, in my opinion, and he's going to give whatever team that he goes to excellent value. I think Dallas would be a really, a really good fit for him. Definitely an underrated rim protector. Averaged a couple blocks per game last year. In your opinion, why do you think people just aren't as high on him? Or do you Jump think hurt. it's one of those things where you're like, oh, he's been there too long and everybody's so excited about upside and one and dones and, and, and the high school hype? that they forget the guys that are actually polished and skilled? I think it's the fact that he's going to be 23 as a rookie who can't shoot. And I think people are so indulged with the fact that, like, you have to do this, you have to do this, where it makes people forget. I mean, if you look at some of the centers that can't shoot, there's actually some really good centers that cannot shoot. And power forwards like that, too. I mean, Ivica Zubac, for example, dude can't shoot. He's one of the most productive bigs in the league. And like, he's not an all-star or anything, but like, I think most teams would want a Zubach, somebody, especially on a good team with loaded stars who can just finish plays. You need it. And obviously they're not the same players, but just because you don't shoot doesn't make you some unplayable player. I, I think that's just an absolute wrong stereotype that has come to be where it's like, all right, if you don't do this, you're, you're out of the league. Like you can't do it. But I think, I think it's just the age and not shooting. Here's my theory behind that. Why does he need to shoot in college? You can't stop him. And it, it's it's tough because on one hand, I've seen guys in college where they're kind of hurting their team because they're trying to improve their draft stock by showing everybody, this is what I've been working on. The scouts say I can't do this. I can't shoot, so I'm going to shoot two threes per game. And then you have guys like him where – for some reason, the free throw percentage is not bad. I mean, it's not great, but it's respectable. And I don't understand if you can shoot free throws at that clip, you should be able to knock down short corner jumpers or elbow jumpers. But for him, of course, you would like to see it. It was one of my biggest questions coming into the season. I think I probably had, I did an article where it was like I had 10 questions of things that I wanted to see certain players add. And number one was him. I wanted to see, is he even going to attempt a jump shot outside of the paint. Is he going to shoot from the elbows or whatever? I don't have the numbers. I don't know if he has or not. I know he hasn't made a three, but he doesn't need to in college. He doesn't need to shoot jumpers to try to improve his draft stock and become less dominant. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it just makes sense for him to just continue to do what he's good at on the college level. And then, Shoot jumpers at at your pro day. Shoot jumpers in your workout, and then go from there. So, I mean, it's one of those things where I'm not gonna knock him, especially him because he's so dominant in around the rim that I don't think he needs to shoot jump shots. Yeah, and I mean, he has the same free throw percentage as Mo Bamba did in college, and Mo Bamba was touted as this stretch five. So, like, and kind of like you said, now they now they make him post up 
like they, they've taken away the role like they collapsed so hard on it it's not gonna happen in the nba they're not gonna be focused on the ninth man rolling to the basket like if that was the case Dwight powell would be stopped by now and it's been like seven years running yeah 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 i think if jackson davis goes to a team that has a you know a crafty pick and roll ball handler or, or someone i mean luca makes a lot of sense someone like trey young but i mean there's no real clear path to playing time in, in atlanta um but yes, I think the Lakers have a have second round picks. I mean, he could provide some minutes there. <laughs> and so I, I think that um in a, in a good system, I think that he's going to be a player that definitely outperforms where he's projected to go on draft day. All right, well that wraps up this episode. It's been over 30 minutes. I had a I feel like I had a pretty good week of content big thank you to you for for coming on next week we have some more surprises for you all right but before we go i want to thank each and every person for making the locked on nba big world podcast your first listen of the day now for your second listen maybe even your third listen just check it out the game to game podcast every moment every top performance every result locked on game to game covers every game from across the nba with local analysis that only locked on can deliver Follow Game to Game on the Locked On NBA podcast or the Locked On NBA channel, available on the Odyssey app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcasts. Once again, this is Rafael Barlow. He is Richard Stamen, and we 